So in the essence, this is Ahrefs, and we're powered by big data because to get to give you valuable insights and to give you valuable information, we have to crawl an entire web uh, and basically save almost uh, a copy of the entire web on our servers and let you play with it. Do you want to impact the world and still turn a profit? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to Growth Everywhere. This is the show where you'll find real conversations with real entrepreneurs. They'll share everything from their biggest struggle to the exact strategies they use on a daily basis. So if you're ready for a value-packed interview, listen on. Here's your host, Eric Sue. Before we jump into today's interview, if you guys could leave a review and a rating and also subscribe as well, that would be a huge help to the podcast. So if you actually enjoy the content and you'd like to hear more of it, please support us by leaving us a review and subscribe to the podcast as well. Thanks so much. All right, everyone. Today, I'm very excited to have my friend Tim Solo, who is the CMO, the Chief Marketing Officer and Product Advisor at Hrefs, which is an industry-leading SEO tool that I talk about all the time. It's powered by big data. I use it every single day. I can't stop logging in. I, I, I can't stop raving about it. Tim's got, look, he's got 10 years of practical experience in terms of SEO and digital marketing, and he eagerly shares all his knowledge by giving live talks at many conferences around the world. And he's also got a lot of content. I think if you go to hrefs.com slash Tim, is that right? There's a lot of content there. Yeah. All right. So check that stuff out. I mean, these are like case studies that other people, it's it just very painstaking work that Tim's taking the time to put together. So first and foremost, Tim, how are you doing? Hey, Eric, I'm doing awesome. And thanks a lot for inviting me on your show. Like we, we wanted to do this for quite a while and I'm happy that we finally found the matching time. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for being on here. I mean, you're in Singapore right now, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's got to be in the evening. So thanks for doing this in the, in the nighttime. <laughs> yeah, sure. Cool. Can you give a little background? I mean, I talked about Ahrefs a little bit, but maybe you can explain better to everyone what Ahrefs actually is, because I'm sure some people are going to sign up from listening to this. Yeah, so the way I usually explain what, what Ahrefs is, uh, is quite simple. So if you want to get a lot of traffic from Google, if you want to ramp up the search traffic that you get from Google, or basically from any other search engine like uh, Bing, Yahoo, or whatever, you need Ahrefs because it's, if not the most uh, uh, the most valuable, uh, it's one of the most valuable tools out there. And there are tons of use cases of how you can improve your SEO and get a lot more traffic to your website, a lot more search traffic to your website than you're currently getting. So in the essence, this is Ahrefs and we're powered by big data because to get to give you valuable insights and to give you valuable information, we have to crawl an entire web uh, and basically save almost uh, a copy of the entire web on our servers and let you play with it. That's awesome. And Ahrefs, I mean, uh, you guys kind of came out of nowhere, right? Because it used to be the incumbents, you know, Moz, SEM Rush, and then you guys kind of came out of nowhere. I, I do want to talk about that a little bit, but can you talk about how the company is doing today? How big are you guys, employees, revenue size, things like that? Yeah, so we don't really disclose our numbers, but because our CEO has tweeted, uh, I think he tweeted in September 2018 that we are doing uh, over 40 million in annual recurring revenue. <laughs> so I guess that information became public and uh, I can say it, but I cannot give you any updates as of now. So yeah, we are past uh, 40 million in uh, annual recurring revenue. And in terms of headcount, I think the, the latest number is 47 people. Uh, but that's because we, uh, our CEO and founder, Dmitry, he, he has... Uh, 
he has created a hard cap of 50 people. He doesn't want to grow past 50 people because he feels that 50 is a kind of perfect number that he can manage almost personally. Uh, so this number is comfortable for him. And that, that brings us to almost 1 million uh, revenue per employee, which is quite nice, I think. Yeah, that's remarkable because, I mean, a lot of these companies you're hearing, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars per employee and it's great. So you guys are way past that. That's awesome. And are you guys a fully distributed team? How does it work? Yeah, so we have the head office in Singapore. I think here we have like 20 people. I never bothered to count, actually. And we have a small office in Ukraine with like, I think, seven people there. And the rest of the team is pretty much uh, from all around the world. So we have Sam, the guy who is doing our educational videos, he's in Canada. He's working from the comfort of his home. Uh, Josh, our head of uh, blog content, is working from United Kingdom. And a lot of other people working from all other places. And actually, our CEO allows remote work. So basically, almost uh, every member of the team is allowed to go somewhere and work from uh, from any place in the world. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, that, that's something we kind of do over here on on so on the, the agency side of the business. Um, people come in three days a week and they work from home two days a week. So we kind of have like the there's an in-person element, but there's also the, the remote. Uh, and then we have a bunch of remote people, too. Um, so it's, it's kind of half of the company. But that, so that that's really cool. How do you guys charge? Right. Because getting to 40, 40 million in ARR annual recurring revenue. And I see you guys have these price points, you know, uh, one ninety nine or be, beyond. I mean, how do you guys generally make money? Let's let's do that first. We're a subscription-based business, so we have uh, a few layers of subscription. That uh, the the lowest one starts from ninety-nine dollars per month. Uh, the next one is one seven nine. The next one is three nine nine, and the last one is nine nine nine. So that that's basically it. Got it. So nine 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 is your highest. You don't have any other plans after that. No, we don't do any custom plans or whatever. We, we, we've we been approached by quite a few uh, enterprise companies who wanted like custom package with more like data allowance, with more keywords, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. But we figured that we don't want to go enterprise route, even though these people are willing to pay a lot more money. We, we still don't think that our time would be better spent uh, if we would be building a product for people who would use it kind of hands off. Uh, other than catering to a few big companies. So we'll make more money if we cater to everyone uh, and not just a few like specific companies. I actually wrote uh, an article about this on Medium. Uh, I think it's called something like Enterprise Breakup Story or something like that. Got it. That makes sense. And so it, there's, there's got to be a reason for this, right? Because Dimitri sounds like he's a very kind of calculated guy. Um, you know, he's capping the company at 50 employees. It sounds like you guys didn't raise any money too, right? Yeah, it's completely bootstrapped. And Dmitry has 100% ownership of the company. That's great. Yeah. So, I mean, you're seeing this happen more and more and more. You know, you hear about like Basecamp talking about how it doesn't have to be crazy and they don't talk about raising money all the time. And actually, a, a guy, the, the guy that used to be the VP of growth at Facebook, Shamath Palihapitiya, was just talking about how this venture capital game, it is sometimes like a Ponzi scheme where you just have to keep raising more money. And then the, the partners want you to raise more money, not because they want you to be successful, because but because they want to raise their, their next fund. Right. So, you know, more and more people are coming out of the woodwork talking about how, you know, raising money probably isn't the most the, the best way for most people. I mean, how do you feel about that? Yeah, totally. And uh, here I would like to plug uh, a book by Rand Fishkin, Lost and Founder. It's it's an amazing book just about the things you, you, you just said, uh, that it doesn't have to be crazy. You don't have to take a lot of venture money because at the end of the day for venture capitalists, it's kind of gambling. 
they would invest in 10 companies and they would try to pump these companies to make them grow as fast as possible. And their hope is that even if nine companies fail, uh, one of them will become a unicorn and will cover all their expenses. So for venture capitalists, it all, of course, makes sense and they can make a lot of money this way. But for nine companies out of 10, uh, this is a pretty, pretty bad uh, mathematics. Yeah. I mean, it's it's probably even worse than nine out of ten. I mean, ten percent is, is it seems pretty high already, right? I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I mean, it's it's crazy. I mean, you know, I don't want, I don't want to go too too deep into it, but it's just it's just like the VCs, no matter what, they're going to collect salaries, right? They're going to collect their management fees, whether people are successful or not. And then what happens is, yeah, one of them might be successful, and they can throw the other ones away, and again, keep raising, and then they raise enough money, and then they can just go raise their next fund. Anyway, so. Okay, going back to going back to Hrefs again, like the story. I mean, you guys, couple years. Ago, I don't even know how long you guys have been around. It's it's got to be like almost ten years. Okay, ten years. So, how what what do you think was the inflection point of you guys starting to really jump past Moz and SEM Rush? Because really, you guys came out of nowhere. To be honest, I don't think I have uh, any good answer to this question because mm-hmm. uh, I joined Hrefs four years ago, and uh, when I joined Hrefs, even though they didn't have any like solid marketing department. Basically, I joined as the only marketer in the team, mm-hmm. even though they didn't have like a dedicated uh, design department or product department. It was more it, it was mostly like developers. So 99 percent. OK, not 90, but 90 percent of people were developers and a few support people and uh, one design person. Right. Already at this point, they were quite successful and they were getting a lot of credit within SEO industry just because of how good the data was. So I don't really see any, as Malcolm Gladwell would put it, tipping point of where Hrefs uh, growth kickstarted because uh, the other day I discussed that with Mitri and we looked at the company growth uh, and they can say that uh, our uh, growth curve is more or less stable for the past like seven years or eight years or however long uh, the, the analytics tool was tracking it. So there's no hockey stick, right? It's just smooth growth. Yeah, it's smooth, consistent growth. And uh, I think I shared in one of the articles that uh, we, for the past three years alone, we had uh, around 60% year-over-year growth. Mm. And that basically extrapolates back. In the early days, it was even more, of course, because it was easier to grow like from 10K to 100K than now from like 10 million to 40 million and up. Right. So yeah, the, the growth is quite consistent. And uh, so far, I don't see it. Of course, it slows down a bit because the, the larger you get, the harder for you is to retain the, this kind of growth. Yeah, with churn. But I don't see it's slowing up, slowing uh, too, too, too quickly. So we have a consistent growth. Yeah, I don't, I don't think there was any tipping point. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, my kind of hypothesis around this is that you guys just had better data and a better product. Yeah. And, you know, that's what, again, like it's, you don't expect like an SEO tool. Like I, I don't think there's been any SEO tool where I log in every single day. Even when I used to use, you know, the other tools in the past, Ahrefs, like even even Neil too, Neil Patel, my, my, my podcast co-host on the other one, other podcast, we log in every single day. Like I see it in one of his tabs, it's always in one of my tabs too. So <laughs> I don't know, like, I don't think you guys intentionally made it to be so sticky, but I think the secret is it's a good product. It had good data and there's a reason to log in every day. Yeah, I do think that uh, it's all about the product and it's all about the quality of the data for, for our product specifically. 
So you can imagine how much easier this makes my work as a marketer. So I don't have to invent any like super smart psychological triggers or super crafty marketing campaigns. All I need to do is let as many people as possible know how awesome our product is and show them the use cases and how awesome, how helpful our product is. That's that's super simple. And uh, at the same time, it makes uh, the job of marketers of competing companies so much harder because for them, well, whenever people try to compare our tools versus theirs uh, and they see all the advantages, like it's hard to use any marketing tricks on these people to kind of uh, lure them into your tool when they see that other tool is superior in some way. I won't say that we are superior in every way, but there are many, many unique selling points in HFs where we are superior, so people choose us. Yeah, C- can you talk about maybe a couple of those those things that you're superior at? Because I'm sure there's some people that are using the like other tools, competing tools right now. Maybe you can kind of help um, nudge them over. Yeah, so I actually published an article, nine things that only HFs can do. And uh, I'm going to keep expanding this article because as we release more and more features, uh, let me tell you actually about the the new feature that we are about to release uh, pretty much next week. So I think by the time the episode will be out, uh, it will be published. So I can talk about it as a feature that we already have. So we have this tool, Content Explorer, uh, which is basically a search engine, but for content. So uh, since we crawled the entire web, we, we can save uh, pages with content into our database and let people search through these pages. So previously, whenever a page becomes 404 or uh, 410, when it become, becomes dead, basically, we would remove it from our database because if the page is dead, there's no reason for us to keep it. Uh, but then people started asking, why, why do you delete these pages? Because they are great for uh, broken link building. Because once a page that has a lot of backlinks uh, becomes not available, you can search and you can still search through the content of the pages that are not available. You can pick those that have a lot of backlinks, uh, replicate them on your website, and then reach out to all these people, tell them that the backlinks are broken, and build those backlinks to yourself. So what we we stopped removing pages from Content Explorer database as they go missing. And right now, our database is getting filled with a lot of 404 pages, and you can search the content of these pages. You can search the URLs of these pages. You can search the titles of these pages. So pretty much you can find content that is no longer live and still has backlinks because we have a filter of how many backlinks are pointing to uh, each of the pages. So this is super unique to Hrefs, and they don't see any other tool releasing anything like that anytime soon. Because again, we have backlinks database, we have the industry's best data, of course, arguably, because some people will, of course, argue with me, uh, on backlinks. And we have a database of content, and we also started collecting a database of dead content. No one else has this data, and this is one of such things that I'm explaining that makes Hrefs unique and that makes people pick us over competitors. That's awesome. So so practically, if you were to explain it in in simple terms, like how can someone take that dead content? Like what can they do with that to help them grow their business? Yeah. So for example, if you have a blog about productivity and you just wrote an article about morning routine, what you can do is you can search in Content Explorer. You can pick search only 404 pages or like search only dead pages. And you can search all, all pages that have morning routine in their title and they are no longer available. And let's say they have more than five referring domains, more than five websites linking to them. 
So once you find all pages that are dead and they talk about morning routine and they have backlinks pointing at them, you can then look at who is linking to those articles that are no longer there, reach out to these people, reach out to these websites and tell them I have a great article about morning routine and you're linking to an article that is no longer there. So why don't you change that link and link to me to my article, which is still live? That's awesome. So that sounds like a, a nice broken link building strategy. Yes, yes. Got it. Okay, awesome. So what do you think, I mean, you know, Ahrefs, I mean, you guys are awesome SEO tool. What are you guys doing in terms of marketing that's working really well for you? So we're, we're, uh, we're walking our talk. So we talk a lot about SEO and we actually do SEO. So if you plug hrefs.com into hrefs, you'll see that our search traffic is growing quite nicely. And actually, our search traffic almost looks like a hockey stick, especially since uh, last year. So we, we do a lot of content around the keywords that are related to our industry, that are related to what we do, like uh, keyword tools, backlink checker, SEO audit, uh, website traffic, how to get my website into Google, blah, 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 blah. Uh, we're trying to cover any topic where we can uh, talk about Ahrefs, or where we can showcase Ahrefs, show people how to use it. Uh, and people basically find us uh, in Google whenever they, they are searching for anything related to SEO. And they see how to use our product because we explain it in the articles and they convert. And then once they become our customers, we make sure that the product is so great and so valuable that they will get actual results with it, that their uh, traffic from Google will start to grow uh, and they will achieve all sorts of other marketing goals because Ahrefs can, uh, not is not only for SEO, but you can also do many other marketing strategies with it. And once they get those results, they naturally want to talk about it. So... Uh, we don't really work with any uh, so-called influencers uh, and spe- conference speakers, etc. So we don't sponsor anyone. We, we we even stopped giving free accounts to any people who can potentially mention us on conferences. And people still like our product so much that without any, I don't know, bribing from our end, people still talk about us. So I think that is worth a lot. And uh, this is, I think I actually have a hard time figuring out which channel brings us more leads. Is that SEO or is that word of mouth? Uh, But in all honesty, I think word of mouth brings us more leads than than SEO. It's got to be word of mouth too, right? Because unsolicited, when when Neil and I first started the Marketing School podcast, we just kept talking about Ahrefs all the time. We just kept saying it over and over and over. And that was unsolicited (laughs) because it was so, the product's good and it's remarkable enough for us to keep talking about, right? So I'm looking at Ahrefs.com. So I'm logged into Ahrefs and I'm looking at your website right now. And, um, you know, you guys rank for all these keywords, right? And then your your guys' domain rank is, is very high as well. Um, and I don't, I don't want to get too in the weeds because a lot, a lot of people listening, um, SEO is kind of um, this this like new or people don't really talk about SEO that much, right? So how do you guys, you just mentioned you guys rank for you know these high volume keywords. How do you decide the keywords to go after? Because some of the keywords that you guys are ranking for, it's very difficult to rank for. Like the difficulty is very high, right? And I can see that in the tool. So how do you make these decisions? Uh, the decision is made based on what we call business value. So we have a simple score for all our content ideas or all our keyword ideas, because sometimes you want to create a kind of a landing page and not uh, an article on your blog. So yeah, for keyword ideas, we have a, a business score from zero to three, where three means that this topic is something where your product is irreplaceable. So, for example, if uh, if someone is looking to shave their beard, uh, they will probably need a, a trimmer 
uh, or some kind of blade, right? So they need some kind of product to shave or trim their beard. Uh, so three means the business potential of three means that our product is irreplaceable, and this is a high pri- priority topic for us. Uh, business potential of two means that our product is useful, but people might as well solve their issue without it. But it might take them like more time or more effort or whatever. But it, our product is still useful. That's business potential of two. Business potential of one means that. Our product is kind of relevant to the topic, but it's not essential at all for solving the issue. Uh, It's not even useful for solving the issue, but it's still kind of relevant, so you can still mention it. And business potential of zero means that there's almost, there's absolutely no way to even mention your product in a relevant way within an article. So yeah, we try to focus on, on topics that have high business potential and avoid topics where we cannot even mention our product. And uh, as for ranking difficulty, so you said there are a lot of keywords where uh, where website, where strong websites are ranking and those websites have a lot of backlinks, so it's hard to outrank them. So our strategy is simple. We will attack those keywords until we rank. So we would publish an article. Uh, we'll like do some outreach, we'll do some promotion, uh, we'll earn some backlinks to that article. And if we won't see that within like half a year, that article climbs to the top of Google and gives us the traffic we were expecting it to give, uh, we would update this article again. We would try to create a, a better piece. We would include more images. We would try to do some research, some case studies, some experiment, whatever. Anything we can do to make the article better, anything we can do to get more eyeballs, anything we can do. I, uh, lately, I like this word, anything we can do to make the article notable so that people would be eagerly linking to it. Uh, we'll update it again. So sometimes it takes us three or four updates in the course of like two or three years <laughs> till we start ranking for the keywords. So we're simply uh, amazingly persistent. We try to rank for keywords again and again and again, and we try to perfect our content. We try to perfect our content promotion, and we try to get as much exposure as possible. And eventually we do start to rank even for difficult keywords. That's awesome. So, how is your um your your content team structured right now? And you mentioned um kind of the, the out, and what's the, kind of the output? Is it weekly? Like how many pieces? All that kind of stuff. To be honest, back when I started working on HF's blog, I always uh, worked under the mantra of uh, quality over quantity. So I never cared about the weekly output or even monthly output as much as I cared about every single article uh, being amazing. So right now. Uh, because we have more people in in the in in our marketing team and not just myself, we can more or less uh, stick to a certain output which we try to uh, sustain. And at this time, this is two articles per week. But whenever we see that a certain article takes much time than we want it, or whenever sometimes it just happens that we write an article from beginning to an end, and like a few hours before publishing it, we would give it one last read. And realize that this is not something that that we wanted to to have at the end of the day. So we'll scratch it and we'll create something new. So yes, yeah, sometimes we ignore our publishing schedule in favor of creating the content that people will like. Love it. Yeah, it sounds like you guys have um, again going back to Dimitri's principles. You know, uh, bootstrapped. You know, uh, we're only going to cap it at fifty people. And um, you know, also it kind of translates down to the the, the 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 things that you're setting up, right? You're like, you know, forget the publishing schedule as long as it's it's quality, we're going to do it. So it's almost you guys have are, are behaving differently than like a typical quote unquote you know Silicon Valley back startup. 
Yeah, let me throw one other uh, interesting thing there. We don't even have Google, Google Analytics installed. Wow. <laughs> and so what that, so I, I've actually heard that before. It seems very logical, right? Because um, is it because you guys don't want to give Google the data? No, not at all. Well, we uninstalled Google Analytics uh, back in the days of GDPR outbreak when uh, everyone was uh, deleting all, all kinds of tracking scripts from the, their website. Uh, so that they won't get in trouble with the European Commission or whatever. And then a few months later, when we updated our terms, our pri- privacy policy, etc., 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 I asked Dmitry if we can install back Google Analytics, to which he replied, like, why do you need it? So I started thinking, like, what would I use Google Analytics for? And I realized that nothing in Google Analytics would change uh, my marketing strategy and our marketing activities. So there's no reason to have it. But we still have Google Search Console installed because we care a lot about our uh, search traffic. Even though we we see a lot, uh, we get a lot of insights about our SEO traffic from Ahrefs, sometimes it uh, it makes sense to go to the source, to go to Google and see some like extra level of information. So yeah, we do have uh, Google Search Console because we care about the uh, we care a lot about the search traffic, but we don't really care about uh, direct traffic. We don't really care about social traffic, referral traffic. We don't really care about tracking conversions from our blog, etc., etc., etc. Got it. And why don't you care about the conversions from your blog? Like, what is the purpose of your blog? Yeah. So, like, I thought about it. If I will start tracking conversions from a blog, and it would be it would show that seven percent of visitors convert into customers. What would it change? I don't know. If it sh- if it will show that ten percent, not seven, are converting from blog to customers, what will it change? I don't know. So I figured that whatever number I will get, this won't change my blogging strategy because I do know because people do uh, send me emails and they say that they were reading my, uh, our blog uh, and they converted because uh, the article showed them how to use Hrefs to solve their issue and this persuaded them. Uh, also, when I meet people at the conferences uh, and talk to them, they also say that they have read a lot of articles from our blog before they became customers. So I mean, uh, and uh, whenever people sign up for a trial, we have um, a small text box where we ask them, how did you learn about HFs? Where did you come from? And a lot of them say your blog or like Google search or blah, blah, blah. So we actually know that our blog works. We actually know that we rank for all these terms and we heavily promote, uh, heavily mention, heavily feature our tools within our blog articles. So, so there's no way to read our blog and not convert into Ahrefs customer because our blog is based around Ahrefs. So I know it converts, but I don't, don't really, it doesn't matter for me how well it converts because even if it won't convert, even if the blog wouldn't rank in Google, that content still helps to retain our existing customers because our articles basically educate people to use our tools. Our blog is an, an amazing educational material. So even if even if it wouldn't bring us leads, it would educate existing customers to achieve results and they would stay longer and they would like it would accelerate word of mouth because as soon as our customers will learn new features and new strategies from our blog, they will go and tell uh, about these new features and strategies to their friends and bring more people to HFs. So yeah, uh, for me, it doesn't matter how how good blog converts uh, as long as I see some other side metrics like the search traffic to our blog, uh, like people sending me emails and like people uh, like sharing the strategies that we teach them 
on conferences or on their own blogs or between each other. I love it. Yeah, it's it's a very again, it's a very long term approach, and it's different than what people mo- most people would, would would say. So for you guys, like I, I've read the stuff. Like again, guys, go to hrefs.com/tim. There's some really well researched posts, especially using the data that hrefs has. And I would imagine some of these posts. I mean, there are a couple thousand, maybe four thousand plus words with a lot of data, a lot of charts. They take a long time to put together, and it doesn't seem like they get a lot of links or traffic. But um, like you said, a it, it definitely helps you educate the right people and retain them longer. I'm just wondering. Like when you put together a post like that, again, 4,000 plus words loaded with data, loaded with charts, like how long does that take you just so people get a sense of like what it takes to produce amazing content? Okay, so first of all, you're you're a little wrong there because if you go to Ahrefs Best Bay Links report and plug our blog there, I think seven out of 10 most linked pages are our research studies. So in terms of attracting backlinks, our studies work like nothing else. Uh, but in terms of search traffic, you're correct because those studies, they don't really target any any things that people are actively searching for in Google. So in terms of traffic, these studies don't bring a lot of traffic, but they bring a lot of backlinks, a lot of authority, a lot of notoriety. People do mention our studies in their conference talks, etc., etc., etc. As for creating this kind of content, yeah, it it can take a lot of time, especially once we start doing research. And uh, full disclosure, I am not a data scientist. I only came up with ideas of things that we can study. And then I give it to our data science team and they do the actual heavy lifting of crunching the numbers. So it actually can take us a few rounds. Like it's like playing ping pong with that research, because once we start crunching the numbers, we start we start finding some uh, issues with the research, is, issues with the methodology, etc., etc., etc. And then I need to explain it all, all our findings and all our data in in an easy to uh, understand way. So uh, one research study can easily like take as long as a month or like a month and a half. And I, like by, by saying a month or a month and a half, I don't mean that I only work uh, on, on that study for a month and they don't do anything else. It's like on and off. So uh, a few hours here, a few hours there, then you need to wait while the server will process like a lot of data because we, we work with big data and our studies work with like uh, billions uh, of pages of content or like bill- uh, hundreds of thousands of keywords. Etc. Right. So yeah, it, it takes a lot of time and effort, but uh, eventually it is worth it. Okay. At least I, I like to think so. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and by the way, Tim's right. As as he said, um, as, as he was talking about it, I actually um went to Ahrefs. I put in one of his posts on on page SEO that he he lists on Ahrefs.com slash Tim um, to show their research studies. And um, that one post has about 400 referring domains pointing to. It's about 400 backlinks. So what that basically means, you know, a lot of people here that are interested in, in investing in SEO, you know, when you look at it, let's say. Tim, you know, all the time and effort he put into that post, maybe it cost him 10,000 US dollars. Okay. So 10,000 US dollars and for 400 backlinks, that's basically $25 per backlink. Right. And so, you know, a lot of times you go to other people and you go to agencies and everything, you know, they might, they might say, Hey, like, you know, yeah, we'll build links for you, but each one that we build for you is going to be, you know, a couple hundred or a couple thousand dollars or whatever. Like you don't know. Right. And that's how they charge you. But that return on investment seems pretty good to me. Um, do, do you think that's a fair thing to say, but kind of my estimates, Tim? Uh, yeah, I think it's fair, but uh, I think whenever you do something notable that gets links, it has a lot of other side benefits. So, for example, when we're doing those research studies and we're crunching crunching uh, a lot of big data, we, we're actually positioning ourselves as thought leaders and we actually 
Uh, again, we we walk our talk. We don't only say that we are an SEO tool powered by big data, but we actually show people that we can easily crunch some big numbers uh, and show them some some interesting takeaways that no other tools are doing. Uh, and I think that that also like contributes towards our brand and towards how people perceive us. Great. Love it. I got a couple more questions on my side as we work towards wrapping up. So earlier, one of my questions, um, we went a little deeper, but one of the questions was coming back to your content team. Like, how is that structured right now? Like, who, like what kind of roles do you have on that team? How big is it? Yeah. So what's interesting is that we like to think of uh, the entire HFs as more or less flat. So we don't really have uh, we don't really have any managers or whatever, and we don't really have any fixed positions. So within our marketing department, uh, almost everyone is a marketer and uh, people just switch between tasks, like whatever excites them, whatever they want to do. So in terms of content, we have uh, Josh, who is responsible for the blog and who do, who does uh, most of the writing, who, who writes most of the articles and who proofreads articles of others. And we have two other people who are contributing articles. They are here in Singapore, SQ and Rebecca. And they, they only started contributing articles last year. And before that, it was mostly just myself and George, two people working on, on our blog. Love it. Okay, great. What else can you tell people? I mean, you know, what else is working really well in SEO today? Is it just the basics or have you seen something else pop up based on, you know, any tests or data that you guys have? To be honest, I'm not, uh, I cannot call myself professional SEO guy because I'm uh, kind of chief marketing officer. So I have to do a little bit of everything and they know a little bit of everything in marketing, but nothing too deep. That's fine. I think maybe Tim, um, maybe we can rephrase it. And then, you know, cause you have so much of these, um, these big data posts, right? Is there anything interesting you can share from the data that you guys have that would be helpful for people? Yeah, I have uh, a piece of super fresh uh, research. Uh, it hasn't been published yet. Uh, and I'm not sure when the episode is going to come out. So, what we did in Ahrefs Keywords Explorer, whenever you plug any keyword, we will pull top 10 ranking pages for you. And for each of these pages, we'll show you the total search traffic that this page is getting. Because a page almost never ranks for just a single keyword. A page will rank for a lot of keywords as long as these keywords are relevant and mean the same. So what I've started to notice is that whenever I plug different keywords uh, into Ahrefs Keywords Explorer and scroll down to see how much pages uh, how much traffic the top ranking pages are getting in total from all the relevant keywords of that topic. I noticed that the number one ranking page is not always the one that gets the most search traffic in total. So the uh, the most total search traffic might be coming to page number three or page number four. So immediately I wanted to study this at scale. And recently we, we did a study of 100,000 search queries, 100,000 keywords. We pulled top 10 pages for each of these keywords and we studied which page uh, was getting the most search traffic in total from all the keywords that it was ranking for. And the data showed that the number one ranking page was getting the most traffic in total only 51% of the time. Wow. So almost in half of the cases, you can rank like number three or number four or number two and still get more total search traffic than the page that, rank, that ranks above you. And it is easy to explain because, for example, uh, I have a great example and that is keyword research tools. If you Google for keyword research tools, you'll see uh, that the article of Brian Dean from Backlinko ranks number one. 
Uh, our article at Hrefs, it ranks number five or something. But our article, I think it gets, uh, I don't remember the exact numbers, but it gets three times more total traffic than article by Brian Dean. And the reason for that is super simple. We target two topics in one article. We target free keyword research tools and keyword research tools. While Brian never used the word free, he, he only targets the topic of keyword research tools. And that is why our article is collecting all longer tail keywords that are referring to free keyword research tools, uh, sign up for free keyword research tools, best free keyword research tools, etc., etc. While his article is only ranking for keyword research tools, best keyword research tools, most valuable keyword research tools, etc., etc., etc. So while we're ranking lower than him for a specific topic, in general, we are getting more traffic to the topic. So I think this is an interesting thing. And a lot of people don't realize that, of course, ranking number one is a great goal because uh, the higher the page ranks, the more traffic it will get in total. Uh, there's clearly a direct correlation there, but it is not necessary. So sometimes you can get more traffic than the pages that outrank you if you cover the topic more deeper and if you will generate more backlinks than your rivals. Because there's another case. Uh, so if you if you Google for chocolate Labrador, you can see that there are some pages that are specifically about chocolate Labradors, about this dog, dog breed. But there are also there's also a page from Wikipedia that is about Labrador retrie Retriever in general. But this page from Wikipedia, it has attracted so many backlinks from different websites and it has accumulated so much authority that Google puts it for these narrower topics, even though the page is more general. So again, if you start, if you generate a lot of pay, a lot of backlinks and a lot of authority to your page, you will start collecting a ton of longer longer tail traffic for all the niche topics that belong into your bigger topic. And I think a great example of this is uh, a Beginner's Guide to SEO by Moz. It ranks for a ton of stuff because their Beginner's Guide has been a while for quite a few years. They have accumulated a ton of backlinks. So whenever you search for things like what is SEO, search engine optimization, how to learn search engine optimization, blah, 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 blah. Their beginner's guide to SEO will rank for them even though it is not perfectly optimized. So Google for what is SEO and you'll see that nine out of 10 pages are literally, they literally have what is SEO at the start of their title. And most beginner's guide to SEO is the only page that doesn't mention what is SEO anywhere and still manages to rank there and collect a ton of traffic. So yeah, th th this is an interesting piece of research that we've done lately. Wow, I love it. And I actually just uh, spent some time looking at um, some, uh, I looked at one specific keyword and both Neil and I, Neil's number one, I'm number two, and we have the equal amount of search traffic going to those pages. So I'm going to look at it that way in the future. And guys, I know this sounds, um, you know, technical. I know it sounds like it's, it's like for those of you that are a little kind of, um, you know, exploring SEO, look, this stuff, it's not rocket science, but I think once you understand it, you're going to have an edge over other people in terms of growth. Cause a lot of people, they just, cause they think SEO is getting more competitive, you know, they think they're just going to um, avoid it and, you know, go do focus on paid media. But I think that's a mistake because, you know, utilizing SEO with other marketing channels and combining it, you're going to get a much better return. Tim, final question for your side. Uh, I know you recommended Rand's book, uh, Lost and Founders. So that's a good one. So I'm going to ask you another question. What is one new tool that you've added in the last year that has added a lot of value to your life? So it cannot be Ahrefs, but it could be any type of web app. It could literally be a physical thing too. So um, let us know. What is it? Okay, so the first thing that, that uh, came to my mind was uh, Notion.io. This is basically something between uh, Basecamp and Google Docs. And I enjoyed this tool because it is an easy way to 
like the the way I used Notion is to organize all our marketing department in one place. So previously I had a problem that uh, a lot of members of our marketing department didn't see the the big picture, like what was happening in the marketing department, yep. what kind of ideas we have, what kind of ongoing strategies we have, etc., etc., etc. And uh, once it, it was actually our CEO and founder Dmitry who signed up for Notion, and at first I was resisting, but uh, I think he knows me better than I do because he said from the start that uh, I'm sure you're going to like it. Uh, and eventually, yeah, I like the tool a lot because it is it is quite convenient for organizing your thoughts, organizing uh, organizing your documents. You can even create tasks there, like all sorts of documents, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So yeah, it was pretty awesome uh, in helping me organize our marketing department so that anyone who works in HRFs uh, and not just in marketing, also in in development or in design, uh, they can go to Notion the marketing folder, browse it and see what is happening, who is doing what, uh, what kind of next goals do we have, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, it was quite useful for me. Love it. Okay. Well, Tim, this has been great. What's the best way for people to find you online? Yeah. So you, you already mentioned there's uh, a page that is dedicated to me at hfs.com. So people can just search for Team Solo and they think that page ranks number one in Google. And at that page, I have listed all my social profiles. There's a link to my Medium where I've been active, quite active for, for the past few months. Uh, and there, there are links to these SEO research studies that I've done and to some SEO tutorials that I wrote. So yeah, I think this is the best time, the best place to connect with me. Awesome. Well, Tim, this has been great. This, uh, By the way, everyone, go check out the page. I, I've talked about it a couple of times. Tim just talked about it. Tim, thanks so much for doing this. Thanks a lot for inviting me. Thanks for listening to this episode of Growth Everywhere. If you loved what you heard, be sure to head back to growtheverywhere.com for today's show notes and a ton of additional resources. But before you go, hit the subscribe button to avoid missing out on next week's value-packed interview. Enjoy the rest of your week and remember to take action and continue growing.